Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching and welcome to the third of four episodes in our series, The Best Thing I Ever Taught. I'm excited because today is about assessments. And I don't know why I get so excited about assessments, but Amanda does too. She's smiling. I'm also smiling because I want everyone to know who was really wondering and you were concerned from the last episode. I did, in fact, get my sandwich. So I want you all to know that I am, I was very happy when I got my sandwich. I did not get my sandwich that day, but I made it the next day in like a sandwich bar situation where there was like sleepover palooza at my house, children building their own subs. Mine had everything a child won't eat on it. I just want to make sure that we we give the people what they really came here for. Listen, yeah, waiting with bated breath. Like, we get it. We, we made you wait for seven days to find out about the Italian sub situation. And now let's talk about lava cake. No, just kidding. Let's get that into it. That didn't happen. Don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> you have to listen to the last episode because we got very hungry talking about the best things we ever taught group work style. And that's the only context I'm going to give you. Listen. And now we're going to talk about the best thing we ever taught assessment style because we are continuing this series. We love doing things in series because that gives you the chance to kind of listen to things as a group and they work together and it's just a beautiful thing. Yes. This one probably won't make us hungry. Let's find out, shall we? We're going to talk today about a, a little bit about assessments. We've got a masterclass coming up for you very, very soon. This is coming out a few weeks before we are re-releasing a new version of our formative assessment masterclass called Down With The Reading Quiz. 
It's a whole new recording of the masterclass. We will be there for questions and answers. It's going to be right after Thanksgiving, like we like to do around Black Friday. Spoiler alert, we'll have a sale coming up for curriculum rehab. But the biggest thing we want to talk about today is assessments. Specifically, formative assessments are like our favorite things. So that's where we're going with this. And if formative assessments are something that you want new ideas for, you want to work on, you're just kind of wondering what the heck we're talking about, head to our show notes because we have got some live masterclasses coming your way. Down with the reading quiz, it's three of our favorite formative assessments really broken down where our like thought process behind them, what they do for students, what information they give us as educators, how we create them, how we grade them. Yes, it is coming up in November and we are pumped. And if you have already attended this, we're not telling you not to come. You're welcome to come. We're, we're going to be telling a lot of the same information. But what I would say to you is, would you invite someone? Would yeah, you share? Yeah, share this with someone who would really benefit from rethinking how formative assessment works in their classroom because we'd really like them to be there. Absolutely. We do get a lot of, I mean, yeah, a lot. I'm not going to be like, you know, the influencer who's like, Everybody keeps asking me about my lip gloss. No, but we do get a lot of questions about how do I share this with my department? Or I have a teacher in my department who would really benefit from this and I'm not quite sure. Like, what would you say? Say, hey, I'm going to look at this masterclass. Do you want to do it with me? It's totally free. We give you all the ideas and then all you have to do is say, hey, what did you think? So head to the show notes, register, get yourself all signed up for free for Down With The Reading Quiz the live masterclass. We are very excited about it. And there's Q&A from us all involved with it. And these are the things that have really like been game changers in our classrooms. Now we are going to start getting into our best ever favorite ever assessments. But first, cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, friends, you've heard us talk a lot on this podcast in, in our little corner of the internet that we call Brave New Teaching about assessments, specifically our Sesame Street quiz assessment that we've talked about quite a bit. We have a few episodes where we go through the ins and outs of that assessment, which we will link in the show notes. Didn't I tell you in our other episodes in this series that this was going to be a show notes heavy <laughs> series? You sure did. We just want to make warned. sure. Well, because listen, we talk about a lot of different things. And so it's one thing to hear us talk about it. And it's another to see what we're talking about. And then, then actually like see it in practice and, and give it a go. So we just like to link stuff and let you do what you need to do with it. We talked about down with the reading quiz, our free masterclass that is coming up. Please sign up, bring your 10 best teacher friends. And now we're going to tell you about the best things we ever taught assessment style. Amanda, do you want to go first today or do you want me to go first today? I do. And I, I need to put out a quick disclaimer. And that <laughs> disclaimer is... I am reining it in right now. All I want to do right now is talk about grading for equity and rubrics and all of the other things that go along with assessments. And I am so restraining myself. And between now and when this episode goes live, I will also do a huge link dump in the show notes for all of those other things that I'm sure this conversation is going to spark. You know, this is an episode 
in and amongst so many others where we've had other grading related and assessment related conversations. So I want to share mine with just by sharing the assessment and not derailing. So that's my disclaimer. Yes. Well, and all of the things that she's talking about really are in that free training masterclass demo yes. reading quiz. So because I haven't said it yet, if you go to curriculumrehab.com slash masterclass, you will be able to register for this and get a lot more of the philosophy and just the practice behind what we are talking about here. So 100%. That said, let's get into our favorite assessments. Okay. So this is my signature. I feel like what, like if I were to put something, if I were to give myself an award, a trophy, this would be my trophy assessment from my teaching career. This is your Peabody award. Like this is it. It is. Okay. It is. I can't believe you haven't heard of it. Like, I mean, featured in the New York Times. It's been all um, the rage on the West it was, Coast. Yes. It was, all, it was all the rage um, at the school where I taught for, for a long, yeah. long time. So the context of this assessment was, you know, we were at, and, and I'm sure I would do it differently now, but the context of this was when Common Core was very, very hot and there was a push to cover all the things. And so I had sat down with, with our sophomore team and said, how are we really going to do this in a way that's authentic and realistic and engaging with our students? And so what we had built was a final exam that covered all the things. So this is going to sound absolutely insane because it kind of was. But what we decided to do was, you know, first and foremost, evaluate final exams. Are they practical? Are they worth it? Are they stupid? You know, no, they're, 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 they're really dumb. And so what we had gone through in our minds was we want something that's project-based. Project-based learning all the way when you're going to be evaluating skills and standards, we really wanted to have something that was a project. And so we did this kind of massive backwards planning overhaul and thought about our year long essential question. That's, that was the crux of where this began. The year long essential question was who controls my future. And so we'd been working on that question in smaller units all year long. And so when we got to second semester is when we started to do this project and we basically dripped the project across the semester. So we would, we announced the project in January. We did a little piece of it in January. Then we went into another unit. Then in between units, we kind of jumped back into it. And then we went to another unit and then we kind of came back in and out, in and out. And so the project was this, it was called be the change. And we asked students to identify a reality in their world, in the world, that was something that they were kind of, they were fed up with that, that had, had not changed and they would like to see be different. And so we broke it down into different components. You know, the kickoff for it was when we listened to, to this day by Shane Koizan, which I know we've talked about in other episodes and other festivals. And they listened to this poem and they, that's when they first start to explore this idea of, making things better. And it it first starts as a research project, right? They kind of narrow down their topic, they do their research, they build an annotated bibliography, then there's a pause, then they go into another unit. Uh, We kind of moved them through that process into a memoir, like a self-selected memoir. They chose an independent reading book that was a personal experience of someone going through a scenario related to their topic and then another component of this was doing some writing. They did, they did a couple of writing pieces and the conclusion, which was like the most amazingly epic part of it all was that they had to do something. 
they had to go out into the community and do some community service, some kind of actionable step to make that change. So there were students who ran social media campaigns, raising awareness. There were students who went physically to food banks and to feed my starving children. There were students who um, had that difficult conversation with a parent that they've never had before. I mean, everyone's, you know, do something was very different. And the conclusion of the project was at final exam time, we invited the entire sophomore class to the high school in the evening and we set up like a science fair type of experience. And so it was more like a research fair. And so we used all the classrooms on the third floor and we grouped them into three sections. So there was A, B, and C. So you presented either during A, during B or during C. And so when you were not presenting, you were watching other people's presentations. And so you had to commit to a room though, right? Like it was during A, you were presenting or you were choosing one room to go watch presentations. And so the rooms were grouped categorically. I remember going through all the logistics of like labeling the rooms. We have talked about this specific, this part of this project before, because we were talking about when I did the the career fair, remember? Yes, yes, I do. And we were just talking about the logistics. It was was in a collaboration series of getting other people involved, but the punchline was that it's so worth it. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. Well, and I'm almost at the end here. So, I mean, that was like, that was it. And I think that the most interesting part of this assessment was, you know, we've been grading them all along, right? Of course Mm -hmm. the presentation feels like the scariest part of it and it's at finals time, but truthfully, like Points wise, it was almost innocuous because we we did want them to feel that sense of uh, importance and pre- you know, healthy pressure. And what was amazing was, in order for all of it to get graded, we didn't grade them, and we prepared our students to know that they were going to be judged by an audience, a, a mystery judge, um, and that that was part of authentic experiences that our students, we really want them to get, especially in project-based learning. And so we recruited judges from all around the school, uh, principals, gym teachers. We had alumni come back that were, you know, in local colleges and had the night off. It was just really wonderful. And at the end of the day, the quote judges were mostly giving feedback. They weren't really giving scores. Uh, The scores came from we did the presentations in class ahead of time as a practice. Um, So I gave any kind of feedback and scores necessary on like the slide deck or the outline. I graded their outline, but the actual speech didn't actually get a grade. It was kind of like a pass fail, like you do it or you don't. And it was just amazing. And, And I wish I could show you the community that I was working with because just that community in particular, like it was just so amazing for those kids to, just walk in that night and feel so incredibly special. Right. And support it. Well, I mean, and back to like the assessment part of it, it you didn't need to grade the speech. That's no. not what you were assessing. You were assessing all the, the parts leading up to it. Yep. Knowing though, like if you look at the psychology of a kid, knowing that they're preparing to give a presentation in front of a mixed bag audience and all of these different things, they're going to do their best work possible. So you're going to get a fair assessment of their skills on the stuff that's preparing for it. Like it's just 
brilliant. And it uses their psychology against them and for them all at the same time. All at the same time. And kind of like we talked about the last episode, we talked about group work. I mean, this was a group effort across the sophomore class. I mean, the, yeah. just the community building aspect, you know, like we talked about with your classroom, Marie, was the biggest, you know, benefit of, of that. And assessment can get tricky, you know, with yeah. what's fair and what's not. And so I think that if you have something similar where you can break a large number of things up across a larger period of time, it, it, it ensures time for revision. It ensures that there are going to be days that are really bad and ones where they can recover. So it that's benchmarks. That's that. The community yes. building is you yes. created a rite of passage for students. Like it's, and, and it's something that like you could do on the large scale that Amanda was just talking about, or you could make much simpler and invite other teachers to come into your classroom only. Like it could just be self-contained. You could invite other classes. You could invite your administrators. Like you can make it work to fit whatever it is like that you are teaching and like living within. But the biggest takeaway here is that the assessment is in the preparation for something else. And the, the, some, the something else is like icing on the cake. The assessment is in the skills that it takes to prepare for that. I love it. It, it, yeah, you do not need to do what we did. I mean, a lot of a lot of those pieces were fighting a school culture that really only yes. prized and heralded the top echelon of students, right? Like no one else got that kind of special treatment unless you were AP level or you're going to honors night or you were in band or in a concert of some sort. Right. Like, my sure. kids were not in any of that. I mean, they just weren't. And some of mine had never spoken English in front of other people before. So there, like you said, rite of passage is like the perfect term. That's what we yeah. created for them. It's a great equalizer. Yes. I monopolized a huge part of that, but it's really hard to describe that project in small pieces. And I hope that it it's just inspiring some ideas from, from you on the treadmill right now. We want to tell you about our masterclass, Down With The Reading Quiz, because it is getting itself a nice little facelift. I have always been someone that needed the confidence and someone to tell me that what I was doing was okay. And that's what this masterclass is all about. We are here to build your confidence and give you some fresh ideas when it comes to formative assessment, a pretty tricky area in all of the things that we need to know how to do. Absolutely. Like if I think back to my time as a very beginning teacher or even in my credential program, one of the most important pieces of the craft that a teacher can hone along the way is being able to design, administer, and then analyze formative assessment as a really, really rich learning tool. And that is just not something that we all get the experience in developing those sorts of strategies. And so we have created here at Brave New Teaching our signature masterclass. We call it Down With The Reading Quiz, Formative Assessments for a New Generation. I think that's the full name that we called it. And we have run this masterclass a few different times, and we have decided to go back and revamp and come back with the same types of strategies, but with more, basically just more. Experience is the key word. Marie and I have combined our over 25 years of experience, mostly in failure, and we retooled that into what to do successfully and how to start successfully 
from the very beginning. Once you've listened to this masterclass, you will be able to implement each of our three different formative assessment types right away in your classroom, confidently and moving forward, knowing that you're not going to play gotcha anymore with quizzes. The quizzes and reading assessments in general are going to be designed for you to learn information about students and make decisions about your planning moving forward. Like really, really, these are actually going to help you do that, not in a mythological way, not in a you have to read six hours of a PD book to get there. You're going to listen to our 45-minute masterclass and be good to go. Absolutely. And in fact, we know that while the lion's share of our listeners are definitely English language arts teachers, not all of you are, and not all of you are secondary teachers. And these assessment keys, as we call them in Down With The Reading Quiz, are applicable to just about every single content area, and they can be differentiated between grade levels and skill levels, and it really does work out. And if you would like to attend this masterclass, you can attend anytime. We do have live opportunities here and there, but if you head to the show notes for this episode or to curriculumrehab.com slash masterclass, you can get signed up for the first available, or you can just take a look at the recording right now. Join us in our mission to get rid of the gotcha style quizzes. No more multiple choice. We're all about making informed decisions in our teaching and doing what's best for our students. Let's take that dirty word data and actually make it work for you by creating and administering and analyzing formative assessments that really are one of the most important tools for learning in your classroom. That again is curriculumrehab.com slash masterclass, or just pop down to the show notes for this episode. We'll see you over there. The assessment that I have to share today is definitely, I use it as a formative assessment, but it can be used as both formative and summative. And it's one of those that like the minute I created it, I was like, I'm an evil genius. I have figured out how to put all of the work on the child and none of the work, I mean, barely any of the work on me. Like That's a glorious thing. It's amazing. And it's one of those that like you were telling me actually that I was an evil genius. And that's what made me realize I am. Uh, And listeners, when I tell you about this assessment, you're going to need to remember that it needs to be adapted however it needs to be adapted, right? Like it just, it needs to be what it needs to be for you, for your students, for their needs, for their level, for their age, as always. Yes, that's like our disclaimer. Like some podcasts are like, listen, there's a podcast I listen to called Forever 35. I'm always trying to get Amanda to listen to it. And their disclaimer at the beginning is we want to remind you we are podcast hosts, not doctors. We like cannot give any medical or, uh, you know, advice. Blah, blah. I mean, we are professional teachers. Absolutely. But we're not in your classrooms. So you're the educator in the room. <sighs> I know you all know this, but sometimes you just need that license to change things that you hear about to make them work for you. This is a DIY close read assessment. DIY means they do it themselves. Students create their own close read on whatever it is that I want them to create a close read on. And they like reverse engineer basically the activity that they have been doing all year long. Amanda and I talk all the time about the beauty and the function of templates and templating the strategies that you use, the instructional strategies, the practice 
something we talk about in curriculum rehab quite a bit is using templates, not as like a cheat. I think that when we say templates, sometimes people will roll their eyes and say, oh, you just want me to go into the file cabinet and pull something out. No. Our take on templates is that it creates stability and it cancels out anxiety for students, especially when they're doing difficult tasks like legitimate close reading analysis activities with text. So with all of that said, by the time I'm going to be using this assessment in a class, students have been doing close reads for a minute with me. They know the template. They know what to expect. They understand how to analyze and how to annotate, first of all. Like they know the mechanics of it all and the expectations there. And then what I ask them to do is reverse engineer the entire process. So they are used to getting or a sheet that's got a block of text from something that they have seen, or maybe it's a cold read, depending on what we've done. And they've got some different questions and prompts that are angling them at analyzing for generally certain topics, things that have to do with our essential question and some different literary devices, maybe something that we're using for like the vehicle for the analysis. So what I asked them to do with this assessment is I can just actually, I'm going to read you the pieces. It's a four-step process. This is one that I had for seniors when we were looking at Frankenstein last year. The first thing they have to do is choose a passage from the chapters we read that illustrates a particular uh, ethical dilemma. We were talking about like bioethics and ethical dilemmas, et cetera. They needed to find the passage and either literally take a picture with their phone or if it's an ebook, take a screenshot like and cite the page number and chapter number. Then I want them to highlight and annotate the passage for the specific ethical dilemma. So like whatever the topic is that you're talking about, different literary elements. Like I I wanted them to then Mm -hmm. create prompts that they would need to do. So like I, I tell them to look back through all of the close reads that we've done all year long, doesn't matter if it's in this unit or not, and steal those questions, steal the questions and adapt them to what it is that I want you to get out of this one. I want them to look at the specific ethical dilemma. So like whatever the topic is that they were supposed to have chosen, and then analyze the passage and how it represents this ethical dilemma based on two different literary devices, two or three literary devices that help illustrate this dilemma. So like two or three literary devices that help illustrate XYZ topic. So they had to go and steal from former assignments that they had done and look back at their own work and look at how that is all done. And then they had to actually complete their own close read, right? So they're creating the close read, completing the close read, and then taking that document that they've created and worked on and done all the analysis and all of that and create a quiz, like a create their own quiz. So I had them create a Sesame Street quiz because that's what we've done so many times. And they just had to create their list of four items and then complete their own Sesame Street quiz and grade themselves. (laughs) It was just like. Now everyone's understanding why we're saying evil genius. Evil genius. So they're creating their own activity that's like processing towards formative assessment, creating their own assessment. And then completing and grading their own assessment. And then basically, like time willing, they could then justify why they got what they got and show me in the text how they got what they got, right? Because they're they're, it's a very zoomed in little snapshot of the chapter or chapters or book or article or whatever it is that we've read. And they're creating a quiz based on this particular spot in the text. 
So a few things are coming to mind already that I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. So if you're the kind of person who's like thinking in your head, okay, they gave us permission to modify and adapt to our needs. Here are some like scaffolding things that are coming to my mind right away. So one, like number one, I think about when I scaffold something like this would be limiting options, right? So Marie's first limit was, I want you to focus on this chapter. So if you needed a little bit more control, you could pull 10 passages and the kids are choosing from a list of pre-approved passages. Like that could cut time. That could cut a lot of um, things for uh, different grade levels that aren't really mature enough to make those kinds of selections, like, but still getting the same bang for your buck. I think that that's brilliant. To your note there, context, again, this was a 12th grade class and this is end of the second half of the class. So like this is before the overarching summative was this assignment. That is what they should be able to do at that point. I mean, absolutely. I would never give 10th graders this. I would give them probably five passages to choose from. Like you're saying, I would give them a bank of the different literary devices we've looked at. I mean, seniors, I said, look through everything. Go. It's all on Google Classroom. You have the whole list of everything we've ever done. Be free, little birds. But like ninth grade, 10th grade, even 11th grade, you know, I mean, it just, again, like, put the training wheels at whatever level they need to be. Okay. What's the next scaffold you were thinking of? I was just trying to list them out loud for people in case they're driving and thinking and like, Ooh, what would I do? That was just what came to mind. First of all, when I was thinking about that. And the other thing I was thinking when it comes to the assessment part, so like the follow-up on your close read uh-huh. Sesame street quiz is also a challenging thing to write. Another option I was thinking might be to give them a, um, what do we call them? The sandwich quizzes, we call them evidence sandwich quizzes. Oh, a paragraph chunk. A paragraph chunk. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I can't even remember my, our own quiz name, a paragraph chunk quiz and giving everyone the same claim. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. So like the claim would be what the whole goal of this chapter was, or this particular lesson was, and then they're using the evidence and commentary from what they did in their close read to assert, you know, the, the ethical Uh dilemma, whatever, or right. And and even if the claim is you give a pro version and a con version, an affirmative and a negative, you give them a choice of a couple of different claims and they choose the one that works the best for the passage that they chose. It all just depends on how much scaffolding that they need in place (sighs) and where you see it working and the crux of it, the bones of it, they create their own close read. They complete their own close read. They create their own quiz. They complete their own quiz. And it's DIY. And if you are in need of some <laughs> quiz ideas in the masterclass that we're running that we already told you about, there are three types of formative quizzes that I think would all work beautifully. All three of them, Sesame yes. Street, Paragraph Chunk, One Pager, all of those would be golden for this same assignment three different ways. Yeah. It just depends on, again meet students where they're at, where you've brought them to, and then how much time you have, right? I love it. Done. See you next week. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I love it. So friends, this is where, like we've said it a few times before in various places, assessments are not that exciting, but by golly, we get jazzed about them. We really (laughs) like assessments. I like no okay I know what I like is I like knowing that the needle has been going through the thread and it made it to its destination like too many times have I been in an experience where I taught into something that was like uh I feel really bad giving this to you I don't think this is where I wanted to go and like that's just a really crappy feeling 
Well, you just feel like you've tricked them somehow. (laughs) Like we should never feel like we're duping our students into their assessments. They should only feel like they've been prepared, empowered, and are ready to succeed. And like, that's how I know I've done my job well. If I say, are there any surprises in this? And they say, no. And they look at me like I have two heads. If they look at me like I have two heads, they're like, why would you ask that idiot? That I've done a good job. (laughs) And they're still challenged. They're challenged. They're showing what they can do. And they're not surprised by it because they've known what's coming. There's a natural amount of trial and error that needs to happen on every teacher's part to get this. I think our mission, though, is just like to cut your trial and error like phase in half. (laughs) Yes. It's a rough period. It's a rough point. And again, we said it before. Take what we say and alter it in the way that you need. Check out our lengthy show notes for these episodes. Next week, we are going to be back with our fourth episode and the best thing I ever taught, friends sub plans. We are talking about substitute plans that you can have in your pocket or that you can create very quickly our favorite strategies for sub plans. And it's going to be a good one. Okay. There's nothing better than a successful sub plan. That keeps you on your trajectory to victory. Yes. It doesn't leave you feeling like you hate everyone and owe everyone a massive groaning lecture the day you get back. And you don't have to like make up for lost time. You can actually Mm -hmm. take a day for whatever reason you need to take a day and like your job will continue productively forward. Yes. We are excited about this one. So friends, we cannot wait to tell you about the best thing we ever taught, sub plans. That will be coming at you next week. Same bat time. Sam, same bat, bat podcast. I can't even say what I'm saying. <sighs> it's it's okay. time for us to go. Okay. We will see you next time, friends. Thanks for sticking around. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 